Welcome back to the Coach's Corner. I'm Peter Sachuk, your host and UHY's career development and training manager. On this episode, we explore the hyperactive hive mind further with Stephen Wolf, one of our managing directors from the Columbia, Maryland office. Stephen and I spoke about what first attracted him to the hyperactive hive mind concept, how he's working to minimize the impact of the hive mind in his life, and some simple but effective strategies you can implement to minimize the hive mind effects in your life. Let's dive in. All right, everybody. I'm very excited to welcome on our next guest to the Coach's Corner. He is one of our manager, managing directors out in Columbia, Maryland. It is Mr. Stephen Wolf. Stephen, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Peter. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's a Monday, sun shining. It's a little sticky here in Michigan with humidity, but it's any day it's not cold, I will take. Yeah. Um, so... Well, yeah, I'm very excited to have you on here today, Stephen. Um, but before we get into anything about the hyperactive hive mind, I wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience, those who may be familiar with you or those who may not be as familiar with you. Just tell us a little bit about your background, what led you to UHY, and kind of where, where you are in your career now. Sure, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So um, my in terms of my career, I've been in public accounting pretty much my whole career, my whole business career. It's probably going on 30 years now, and I started and was a part of a more of a local slash regional accounting firm in Columbia. And two years ago, we started to look at, well, probably three years ago, we started to look at the, you know, the benefits of a merger with a larger firm, which brought us to UHY. And two years ago, uh, we did that, probably two and a half now. And, you know, the reason that we were looking to do that is a number of reasons, but basically looking at our clients and what their needs were, looking at staffing issues and a host of other things. And I'm sure as most people listening to this know that the accounting profession, you know, that's been a, a huge thing, consolidation and um, strategic moves to bigger firms. Um, so that's what we did. And as I said, it's been two and a half years. It's been great. All the things that we were looking for are uh are you know we can get at uhy it's been fantastic i extremely enjoyed the nlc the, our first nlc and only nlc obviously <laughs> well excuse me our only live nlc right right looking forward to the next one hopefully being live and um uh, you know that's 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 me in a, in a nutshell Awesome. Well, again, couldn't thank you enough for hopping on. And we had originally talked about this idea of the hyperactive hive mind. We spoke offline about it. You introduced me to it. I did some research and I thought, hey, this is a perfect coach's corner topic because it's really interesting and it's something that we all can resonate with. So I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on how did you hear about it and what about the concept uh, fascinates you and made you want to learn more and kind of really put it into practice? So one of our employees in, in the Columbia office, Kevin Murray, and I were chatting one day, and he is the one who actually turned me on to it. And it was a podcast, another podcast, with uh, a guy named Lex Friedman, who is uh, an artificial intelligence scientist. And he works for, I think, Boston Scientific. And he had a guest uh, whose name is Cal Newport on, who is a um, computer science professor at Georgetown and also an author. And he introduced this concept of 
his latest book, A World Without Email, which is, I think, three years after his previous book, I think has got, you know, was kind of well-received called Deep Work. And it's all about being able to focus and concentrate and be productive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is his follow-up book, A World Without Email. And that's really how I, I, I learned about it is through, you know, Kevin and was immediately like, this is unbelievable. Sent, you know, he sent me, I think, the, the the short clip that I sent to you. And then I went back and listened to what I think was about a three-hour podcast on the subject uh, of, and as he says in that podcast, the book is titled The World Without Email, but that's not really what it is. It's this concept of the hyperactive hive mind, as he calls it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about it, like, when you read it, like what you mentioned, it was really interesting, really fascinating. What about it kind of really struck a chord with you? You know, I've, I, I'm fascinated by technology. I'm fascinated by um, sociology too. And these things are clearly have intersected uh, in all a- aspects of our life, private and certainly business. And one of the things that I've been asking myself for a number of years now is, and, and I really don't have any hard, hard data on this, but just generals, generally speaking, it seems to me like it takes us as long to do a job today, and whether it's an audit engagement or it's a big tax engagement, that it did, you know, when I first started, or maybe not when I first started, but maybe in, uh, let's say, 15, the last 15 years. And, I, you know, I, I've just kind of been searching for the answers to to why that is. And and I'll, I'll say, like I say, I don't have any hard data, but I can tell you that Prior to joining UHY, our firm, we would, you know, our growth was um, somewhat steady, but low growth. And, you know, during that period, the technology boom, of course, occurred. Lex goes back to, or Cal goes back to, I think, early 90s when email really started getting popular. And um, and I think that uh, for me, it, over that period, we haven't, you know, had to, been able to do the same amount of work with less people and we haven't added a like a massive amount of work and, and using the same number of people so you know, to me right there that tells me that you know what i'm looking at is well well why is that you know why are things generally taking around the same amount of time now i'm sure there's been some improvement on that but as they talk about in the podcast with the with the trajectory of technology productivity should really be like off the charts and so, you know, that was really the most fascinating part about it. Certainly the data is fascinating. Um, and he, you know, he talks about what some of the statistics or some of the surveys, data analytics that he's got sources that say that people are checking some form of communication, some communication channel, whether it's Slack or Teams or email or text um, every six minutes. And then you start to do the math and add that up. And it's like, well, how's anybody ever supposed to actually do the work if they're right. if they're checking these communication channels every six minutes? Um, and he also gets into context shifting, which is wasn't a term I was familiar with, but it you know it's kind of self-explanatory. It's what happens when we move off of one thing and then try to go back to it. And there's a lot of data out on that too. And you know, I think that when I've seen I've seen different levels of connectivity from different people 
we've all got our own way of doing things. The one, the one that always baffles me is the little box that pops up, the email box. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have an incoming message. And I've talked to people about it, and I, I, I couldn't do it personally. Um, it would just add a whole another level of distraction for me. Uh, people I talk to who do do it generally say, well, I just, I just look at it, and if it's important, I'll go look at it. If it's not, I'll just ignore it. And I think that there's a misconception or people don't really understand um, or aren't totally aware that the brain is really not capable of, of doing that. And, and that's not a that's not a blanket statement. You know, certainly there are techniques for um, mindfulness meditation, for example, is something that people use to stay focused and be able to quickly go back to something. Um, but, you know, you get an email and even if you don't want to respond to it, it starts to get your brain moving and thinking about other things. And as you may imagine, or as you may expect, the more of these communication channels and the more of these messages we're reading, the more our brain's going to wander and the harder it is going to be to focus. Yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned to something to me in another conversation. I, I felt you might, if it would be good to share here, it's that you actually don't have any notifications turned on on your phone like it's it operates as a phone like it almost should these days right but tell us a little bit more about like you know what uh compelled you to do that and what are some of the benefits you've seen from doing that well first of all is there any way for us to find out if my wife is going to listen to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) if she has the access instructions which is highly unlikely unless she has a uhy email so no we're good we're good we're good Okay, good. No, I joked because obviously there's been a number of occasions where she said, didn't you get my text? Didn't you get my email? And, um, you know, I've tried to manage that on my own terms uh, over the years. My kids are grown now, but as the communication started coming up and things started, you know, the lines between your personal life and your and your and your work life kind of got blurry and the phone, you're bringing in your personal life, entire personal life to the work. The workplace and you know where it really started was one time i had some college friends who had kind of got a text chain going and it was like for for i don't know how long it was just solid and it's just going and going and going and i'm like i'm trying to get work done right so so i turned it off and i started turning more things off and i decided that i would rather than having those notifications i would take some amount of time you know whether it was a five minute break at, at after getting what I needed to get done um, to check in, right? And I just, I actually told my wife and my children, look, if you need me, we have a receptionist. Here's the phone number. If you need me, that's what you need to do. You need to call the receptionist and that person will get a hold of me mm-hmm. because I just couldn't take the, the amount of distraction that was going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I started it. And, and you know, I, I'm very human and I and I know my limitations and I know my you know my um, my issues I guess and and distraction can be one of them I my mind moves all over the place and I really just don't need anything else adding to that so that's why I yeah. took that route and it's a very good segue into kind of your role as a managing director because you and I talked about it before we started recording is you're bombarded with emails you'll if you on teams you can get hit with so many instant messages, phone calls, et cetera. Like, how do you, in your role, avoid that mindset, but still address the needs of whomever needs you, whether it's a client or whether it's a colleague? Like, how does that, how do, how do, how do you manage that? Yeah, so since 
I bought the book, A World Without Email, but I haven't yet read the book, A World Without <laughs> Email, I would say that I'm not sure how I'm actually able to do that. And uh, I'm probably as much a victim of it as many other, you know, as anybody else. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, I think it's just, I think there's a lot of anxiety and, and, and a lot of, I think email is an addiction. I can tell you, I'm, I am addicted to email. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're worried about what, what's coming in, you, you do feel this constant need to check in and see who's trying to get a hold of you. Right. Um, so when you talk about what you need to do, and I, again, I do need to read this book and, and, you know, I think this is going to be a, a major change in industry and business. And as they talk about in the pod, in the podcast, um, I've actually heard Cal and a few others, so it may have been one of the others. You know, what they say is that companies that recognize this and start to develop new strategies for dealing with this um, are going to be the winners, right? Um, right. Because it's, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, I think we've all seen um, some of the new tools that have come into play now. And so, but... I would say, generally speaking, you just kind of have to let go. It's have to let go of the fear, and you know you have to realize that if somebody really needs you, someone's going to come and get you. So if you don't right. check email um, for an hour, and that's the other thing is don't try and don't try and I think when you, the approach for me is going to be don't try and like block out my whole day because that just doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. But start to block out periods, and you know I've even considered calling certain clients and just saying, hey, you know, even sending them the video because they're in business. They've, they've no doubt got some of the same things that we're dealing with and just say, hey, you know, here, here's a here's a video. This is one of the things I'm trying to do. I've always said that for me and I am very I'm, I'm a pleaser, too. And so customer service is important to me, making clients happy and doing uh, quality work for clients is important to me as well. And I never want to lose that. Mm -hmm. So for me, the challenge is, you know, how do you, how do you accomplish that? And I think, again, a big part of that may be talking to certain clients and just saying, you know, is this going to work for you? I just want, and, and giving them a way to understand that if, I, if they need me, I will be there for them. Right. Yeah. I will drop what I'm doing uh, within reason, of course. Uh, right. But, right. but, uh, but, um, you know, I'll be, I want to, I want to make sure that we still meet their needs, but just tell them that this would be the way to get a hold of me. And again, I think it's, maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's, Hey, if you need me for anything immediate, call my cell phone. And over time, you know, it's not going to happen yeah. right away. And certain people are going to say, well, that doesn't work for me. So we got to right. figure out a way to deal with that. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's using some of the tools in the email to say, okay, these clients I know are going to want a return e email from me and, and this is what their expectation is. So I'm going to set up different parameters for them than the rest mm -hmm. of the email world. It's one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like what you said there about aligning on expectations, whether that is a client who communicates primarily through email, or if you say, Hey, this is what I'm working on, what works for you. And they say, Hey, yeah, I'll give you a phone call. Great. But I think it starts with having that expectations conversation about what you can expect from me as your leader, as your you know representative of UHY. I think that's so important. And I, I think 
that you hit on, you know, why productivity hasn't increased. It's that we automatically assume that every email we see requires an immediate response. And right. personally, that couldn't be farther from the truth because there we all know there's emails that we get that don't need a response or I don't need to respond right away. So I really like that idea of resetting expectations. And I think that's something everybody can kind of get up, get on board with. Yeah. And I think there's there's something else at play here, which is you know, when when you look at a when you're faced with a difficult project, there's kind of a tendency to want to look for your own a little self, a little bit of self sabotage sometimes, right? Yep, yep. You kind of look for distractions, and, and also the, you know, the thought of or or maybe some of the anxiety that comes with not being far along enough in a big project, can be alleviated by taking care of some smaller things. Mm -hmm. Because they're small, they're quick, you get them off your plate and you feel this sense of accomplishment because you did these three, these few things. But hey, maybe they're not as important at that time as the as the job you, you may be trying to avoid a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I think it feeds into that, you know, there's a natural inclination to maybe answer those things as they come in. Right. So. Right. And we, and we talked about things that we can do to help with this hyperactive hive mind. And one of the things that Mr. Newport suggests, I believe it's in the book, I'm just paraphrasing what he was talking about, is this idea of adopting a more linear workflow. And he compared it to the idea of the automotive assembly line. So if you compare, for example, like a Ferrari versus a Ford, a Ferrari is going to take longer to build because they have a whole bunch of like spent, like just one person working on a part of the car. Whereas with Ford, you've got a complete assembly line of people like transmission, suspension, paint, body, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if we take that kind of assembly line mindset to our work, thinking of emails, meetings, focus time, like what does that look, what do you think that could look like at UHY? So I guess, so first question is, did you read the book already? I did not. I just took paraphrases. Okay. I'm cheating, okay. I'm cheating a little bit. I'm cheating. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. I didn't want to lose out on that. No. Um, you know, you brought up some good points. So for me, what it looks like generally is more devotion towards uninterrupted time and kind of compressing each job, maybe more to more more to one specific, I guess, block of time, right? Mm -hmm. Not so many plates spinning at the same time. And maybe it is, and, and I did, you know, you, you used the manufacturing assembly line. I was at a CS conference a few years ago and they had a really interesting um, little breakout session on that very topic. And they talked about accounting and audit engagements and tax engagements and looked at, uh, it was an airplane manufacturer. And they said, well, what do you know, do we this this line is going to take each wing and they're going to build each wing and they're not going to do anything else until every wing is assembled versus mm -hmm. what you kind of what you said, which is hey, you got everybody working on it at once. Um, I think that. You know, I don't know. I don't know which one is right or wrong. I think that generally speaking. He talks about it's called asynchronous communication, which is where just pinging each other all day long with one question and this and that. And, and I think that's what we need to get away from. So what it looks like to me is probably more a team approach. Going back again to my earlier years in the business, you went to a client, 
there wasn't email or there would be, there wasn't connectivity all the time. So you couldn't get your emails and you had to be at the client and do that work. Mm-hmm. And that's really all that you were doing. And now you go into the field and you have your email and other clients, you're answering other clients' emails, trying to keep everything going. And, you know, I think it's, for me, it's kind of getting back to that. So whether it's setting up teams and putting everybody either in the office, in a conference room together, because we certainly with the pandemic, right, as well, you know, we didn't, we're not going to clients as much. And I think that's pandemic aside, I think that has changed a lot. Clients, it's easier for them to say, well, you don't need to come here because, you know, sometimes they didn't like us there. We were interrupting their flow. Right. We'll just send you everything. Right. And then they're sending it. And that's part of the other problem. I think when they knew you were coming on one day, everything would be ready for you or most everything would be ready for you for you because you were going to be there and you're then you were going to be gone. Yeah. Now they can take their time. They can send you one thing today and th- one thing tomorrow. And it's kind of expanded the length of time that it takes to do a job. And that's the other thing that I'm very interested in and, you know, starting to take a look at historically with the data that I have is, well, how long did it take us this year to do a job once we got the information? When did, when did we deliver? Yeah. And I think that, I think, again, I think that is a growing distance of time when we really need to be shrinking it because I think mm-hmm. it was, you know, our client expectations are that, you know, they're going to start calling if they, if, right, if they don't, right. they don't get something by whatever timetable we've set. And it's harder and harder to meet those timetables, you know, given the current environment, I think. Yeah. And one thing I, I found in my research on Cal Newport and this whole idea is there's sort of an uh, implicit understanding that this asynchronous communication has has had a negative impact on our ability to, you know, form relationships with people, to have those conversations. Because as you said, we have that asynchronous communication. We don't have to see each other to, to get work done. But we we know that it is so important, especially in the accounting and consulting world to have that personal relationship. So what, like how in your mind has that the hive mind impacted our ability to form those relationships with people? I think the hive mind is just, you know, it's made us so busy in these quick little check-ins that we don't take time to have more meaningful conversations. Um, Certainly, more direct conversations, either a phone call or a visit um, with a client. I think we just, we I feel like we have less time because, and you know, you mentioned the verbal communication and I, and I do think that's huge. And I, there was another gentleman that I listened to, uh, had the, some of the, the talks that I was viewing that he had done were probably six, seven years old. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Uh, his name was Clifford Nass. He was a, I think he's a professor at um, uh, University of Cincinnati. I think that was it. But he talks about a lot of these interpersonal communications and kind of I would put put some of his discussion on the hive mind. You know, that's Cal's term. It wasn't coined at that point. Mm-hmm. But he, you know, he talks about really the uh, idea of multitasking. That's another great word that I hear people say, well, you got to be able to multitask. Well, you know, I encourage people to look at some of the data on that. And um, one of the fascinating things that he showed was a slide that had a a heavy multitasker and the brain. This is the actual brain image of a heavy multitasker 
who had been asked to do a um, a very uh, menial task. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me back up. He started with a person who did not do a lot of multitasking and was asked to do a, a menial task. And there was a there was a visual, um, you know, coloring of the amount of brain power that that menial task took that person. And it was a dot. And then they showed a heavy multitasker being asked to do the same thing. And it was over half their brain. The half their brain capacity was taken up just doing this one meaning, uh, menial task. So that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, really amazing to me. Um, you know, the other thing that he talks about that, that um, Dr. Nass, I think it's Dr. Nass talked about was the um, uh, partial media displacement. And this goes back to the whole problem in my mind. And partial media displacement basically is a theory that says, Anytime you introduce a new media, it's going to steal time from a, a, a you know an existing form of media. So he talks about movies come out; they take some of your time away from books. And now we talk about where we are now and the influx of media, and what we've gotten to a point, as he states, where what happens when there's no more other media to borrow from, and you have to start borrowing from non-media time? What do you do? And it's mm-hmm. you know. I would like to think we say, well, I'm not going to do that, right? Or I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm going to stop doing this or stop watching that or whatever it is. Spend less time on Facebook. Who knows? But um, but he's, of course, he says that's not what we did. He said we just started to double book ourselves, right? right. And I, I see that in our scheduling. I look at our scheduling. We have people double booked. That, not for the same reason, but I think we all, you know, kind, kind of do that. So. Um, I don't know if I answered your question there. Oh, the- no, I, I think you hit on it. It's in, I'll, I can kind of loop it all together. Ah, it's this right. idea that w- because of these asynchronous communication tools, we feel that we can have multiple conversations going on. Like I'm right. guilty of it too, where I'll be on a conference pre-pandemic and current and post-pandemic. I'm, it'll happen where mm-hmm. we're in a meeting, we're trying to respond to an email from somebody else just because... Right they need an answer. And we, we talk about it in the lead up to this podcast where it says it's going to take you a, a more devoted amount of time to pick back up where you are in the meeting because you took that 30 seconds to answer the email. So it's impacting your ability to communicate with your fellow colleagues, to build those relationships, to brainstorm, because you're like you said, your brain is working on overdrive to try and pick back up where you left off. So yeah. it's if you put that in the client's shoes, you're gonna call, you're emailing them or you're calling them, you're on a video conference, you're emailing, like that can have a really negative impact on yeah. the relationship. Yeah, and I think, you know, you're right. And look, again, I'll say what I said at least once during this this uh, discussion, I'm as guilty as the next person. And there's always a time where you're going to think something is more, maybe more important than what you're committed to doing and you're checking that channel. And it's really interesting to me. And I try, you know, so I try to be aware of it. I try not to do it. Mm-hmm. The best way to do it again is to shut everything off. That's yeah. why, you know, so if you shut everything else off, there are no distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the interesting thing to me is, and maybe some of this is because we're just flat out tired of the Zoom calls and the pandemics. Yep. But if you look at a Zoom call, uh, you can see everybody, and not everybody, but certainly there's a great deal of that going on. It's very interesting to me that we're so overt about it. 
those are the things we used to kind of hide, right? When we went mm -hmm. to a, uh, whether it was a live learning session or, you know, you've got the, you got, you got the phone kind of hidden or whatever. You're trying to act like you're not looking at it, but we're just, you know, we're like, you can see everybody looking at their other monitor. Um, and that's the other thing. We have two monitors. We didn't back then. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it is, it's tough. And so it's just, it's awareness. That's, yeah. that's, um, you know, the other, the other thing that was really, really interesting to me was the social dilemma, which I don't know if you're familiar with that on Netflix, but that's, that's kind of about social media and its impact on people's mental health, families. Yeah. I mean, uh, everything changing, you know, overthrowing governments. I mean, there's a, <laughs> right. there's, there's a, there's just a, it's, it's a fascinating thing too, but it's just, it just kind of highlights um, how big the problem is. And this, like with email, I will, you know, I'll say one of the things that was, which I totally agree with at the very beginning of this podcast is they start talking about a world without email. Lex says, you know, email is awesome. And I, and, and Cal says the same thing. He said, solved a huge problem at the time. It's just got these unintended consequences. And, you know, it will continue to be, although I'm not convinced that email will continue to be around when I, in business, when I say that, it's going to be around, but it, it may look very different because of the, I think the cybersecurity issue is going to drive mm -hmm. that. I just think it's harder and harder to expect that we won't have, you know, that any organization won't have a breach because there is always going to be somebody. It's fishing for a reason. Somebody's going to take the bait. Somebody's going to be having a bad day. Yep. Going to be maybe distracted, whatever it is. So I think that's going to look different. But I do think it's still, it is great. It, it is mm -hmm. great. And this issue um, is not easily solvable as the issue of social media's impact on our, our, I'm a father on, you know, so I worry about my, my children um, and, and what it's doing to, to kids. Some of the stats are, are you know, kind of very scary. And I don't think, you know, I, I think it's a, we're not turning this, this ship around. So I think it's just about awareness and, yeah. and then chipping away at it. I mean, if, if you can go, I mean, even if it's a half an hour, right? So, I mean, you've gone from checking your email, if you go along with the, you know, the, the, the stats, uh, you know, five times less than, than you, than, than is currently the average just by doing a half an hour of yeah. uninterrupted time. And, you know, and then maybe you'll, you know, hopefully you see that the world didn't end. Right. right. And, uh, um, and again, I just think it's just, it is that awareness start maybe move, moving people's minds into, um, what could, you know, what is going on yeah. and start to think about maybe changing it a little bit at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question I have for you, this has been awesome is you, we've talked a lot about some suggestions, like we've alluded to kind of that time blocking, being more upfront about expectations or resetting expectations with people. What are some kind of parting things that as people uh, are ending the episode, like what are some final things you recommend that to help avoid this hive mind that they could do that could improve basically their overall well-being? Yeah. So for me, I think, and you're not, you're not going to, it would be 
people will laugh me out of the room if I tell them. People are probably laughing already when they said, when you know, when you mentioned that I don't have any any uh, any notifications. I do keep my ringer on because uh -huh. that again, back to my wife. She knows that if she calls me, uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. But um, but I think you know, starting to to block out some of those distractions. For me, the biggest one, honestly, is the uh, incoming email box that pops mm -hmm. up. I think that's that would be a good start. Um, if it doesn't work for you, you know, I, I, I guess I understand. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not true. <laughs> I really, I really <laughs> don't. But, um, uh, but maybe you are better at being able to jump back right to what you're doing. Um, I think, you know, another thing is meditation and mindfulness meditation. We have a a a, a guy in in Colombia who works with us outside consultant who does some coaching and he actually brought in an opportunity just invited the entire office here to participate in a virtual meditation it's on thursdays it's for a half an hour and um when i do it I, it it's definitely beneficial i'm not very good at it i i it, like everything else it, that, those things that that is a a skill that takes a lot of practice mindfulness mm -hmm. meditation but if you you know if you can devote some time to it and start to learn from it and get better at it it is a way of block keeping your mind from getting too far off track and bringing you back to what you're doing which i think would work with distractions from the outside world as well as your you know your own mind uh, internal distractions that are just going on as we daydream i guess um so i think that would be good i would listen to that podcast and i don't know if i would I think it'd be hard to get too many people to listen to a three hour podcast, right? Right. Especially when there's all these other demands on our uh, attention. But there's another, um, there's an, I heard Lex on a different platform, Dr. Michael Gervais. He's got a podcast called Finding Mastery. It was about an hour long and it was less technical. I think that would be really uh, valuable um for anybody to listen to i think everybody should listen to it um at least some part of it to try and just get some of this information and um yeah i think just you know communicating with clients and 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 maybe letting go of some of these anxieties and fears that aren't always and are often unrealistic right mm -hmm. we've created them ourselves yeah. And I find that a lot of times where if I do call a client and say, hey, you know, I got your message. Do you need this today? Oh, no, you know, tomorrow's fine. So um, but they're also used to getting their Amazon deliveries within a day. Everything else in their life happens immediately. So yeah. there is, you know, honestly, there is an expectation. They don't hear from you. And in in like some clients, it's 15 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. Um but they start to wonder, am I being ignored? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, you can't really do it in a vacuum, I think is the point, especially when we've kind of set up some of these expectations or created them, it's gonna take a little bit to, to peel them back. Yeah. Um, so, but I think, you know, my client, if, you know, if I'm having a discussion and I've, the one thing I will tell you is that I've had some very long lasting relationships with clients because I do like the, and I, in my opinion, it's because, you know, they know that I'm trying my best for them. And, you know, I, 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 I do want to do a, a, you know, good work for them. 
and I like them and they like me and we've developed relationships and you know I, I don't have a problem talking to some of my longer closer clients and saying hey look if you do have a problem with it just think of it this way if I am working on your stuff do you want me stopping every six minutes to deal with other mm -hmm. clients and hopefully the answer is no um yeah. but uh don't know what to do if it's yes uh but um you know that's just another way to look at it i guess yeah absolutely well steven this has been great to have you on thank you so much i, I think our listeners are really going to appreciate your insight and a lot of things you brought to the table so again couldn't thank you enough for hopping on peter i enjoyed it um thank you and um yeah have a great day it, it was it was awesome a huge thank you to Stephen for stopping by the Coach's Corner and to you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed learning more about the hyperactive hive mind from an experienced member of the firm and how they have taken this concept and applied it to their work. We'll see you on the next episode.